So today, um, well, let's just dive right into Second Corinthians chapter five and away we go. Why well, say very much? Let's just get into the word. Amen. <laughs> you ready? Hook your seatbelt. Click. OK, here we go. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. I'm just going to read this, read a bunch of verses here. Here we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ, or in Him. Amen? Yeah. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you have put your trust in Jesus, which means that you've received the forgiveness that he paid for on the cross. He died, so you didn't have to pay that price. He paid the debt. The debt's been paid, and, and, and your sins are forgiven. If you've received that gift of forgiveness, and you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, uh, the leader of your life, you are in Christ. You've been placed in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you are literally what the Bible calls a new creation, which means you've been born again. Amen? You've been born again. Your spirit is alive because the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And, 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 and how did he make you alive? Because of righteousness. In verse 21, it says that he, Jesus took your sin and he gave you his righteousness. That's some good news, huh? And so as a result, you have peace with God. You're a friend of God. You've been reconciled to God. God's not mad at you. He's on your side. He's made a covenant with you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 18, it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, through what Jesus has done, not because you were like really good or you have really nice looking hair or something like that, um, <clears throat> but because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Because of the finished work of the cross, you've been made right with God. But not only are you saved and forgiven and right with God and born again, but it says right here in verse 18, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only are you saved, not only are you forgiven, but you have a calling on your life. You have a ministry. Every believer is a disciple and every disciple is a minister. Amen? And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's, he's telling you that you have a ministry. That you have a calling and God has called you not only to be His, not only to be reconciled to Him and be His kid, but you have also been invited into the family to partner with God to literally co-labor with Him. In verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, We then as workers together with Him, literally co-laborers, God has invited you to, to link up with Jesus, to literally be yoked with Jesus, and to co-labor, to work alongside Jesus, to not only be reconciled to God, but to actually minister that reconciliation. And Jesus loves us so much, and He's entrusted, He entrusts us so much, it says right here in verse 19, that He has committed to us, literally entrusted us, with the message of reconciliation. We are carrying this message, the message of how people can be made right with God, their sins forgiven, their lives healed, families transformed. We're literally carrying this message to the world. Amen? We're ambassadors of Christ. 
Ambassadors of Christ, no matter what your calling is, we've been talking about calling for the last couple of weeks, no matter what your calling is, no matter what your role in the body of Christ, no matter what the gifting that you have been given, bottom line is you are an ambassador, a messenger, a sent one from Jesus. You are literally representing heaven, representing Jesus to this earth. And at the very heart of your calling is this message called the message of reconciliation. You know, nowadays, sometimes uh, I've heard people nowadays talk uh, like, you know, they'll say like, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a teacher, you know. I don't do that evangelism stuff. I don't do that. You know, I'm just, you know, I just do the justice things, you know. I don't, I don't do the gospel stuff. You know? I don't want to like force my opinion on people. I just, I'm just here to serve, you know. I don't say anything. Now, you see, you can't do that. If you're an ambassador of Christ, you've been entrusted with a message of reconciliation. And yet, amen, justice. Woo, we are for justice. You know what I'm saying? Let's get people set free. Let's fight against injustice in this world. But at the very heart of every action we do in the name of Jesus, we are called to communicate a message, the message of reconciliation, the good news about Jesus. And let me tell you, if you're a teacher and God is raising up teachers, oh, isn't it amazing? I've just seen the Lord in the last probably... Well, okay, so I've only been a Christian for <laughs> maybe 15, 16, 15 or 16 years. But since I've been a believer, okay, the Lord, I've just seen people, God raising up teachers and like pushing them back into the public schools. Praise God, if you're a teacher, the Lord is calling you there. He's called you to be a light in that place. He's calling you to use your gifting as a teacher and things like that. You know, I've seen recently in this, in our community, God raising up businessmen and women. It's amazing. People are saying, we're going to use business for the kingdom. Praise God. Whatever the Lord has called you to, whatever gifting, you know, He's, he's, he's created you to be an artist, or He's created you to be a teacher, or, or, or an electrician, or whatever the Lord has given you to do, you are really, you're undercover. You're an undercover secret agent of the kingdom of God. You are a Christ follower carrying this message, representing Jesus. And in everything you do, you're called to bring this message of reconciliation. You can't, oh, I'm just a teacher. I don't say anything. No, it doesn't work that way. You're just that teacher or, or, or businessman or businesswoman or whatever. That's just your like undercover alias. Really, you're a minister of reconciliation. God has given you gifts. He's given you a sphere of influence. He's given you all these different things so that you can be used by the Lord to impact the people around you. Amen? So we've been, uh, <laughs> so we've been talking about this these last couple of weeks and, 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 and learning about our calling. And today I want to, we're not necessarily like, not, we're not stopping talking. That didn't make any sense. We're not going to cease to communicate about your calling. No. See, the Lord is still calling us forth as a church. In fact, what the Lord has been saying to us is He's telling us, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying it's time. Reproduce yourselves. Every healthy, living organism reproduces itself. And we as a church, if, if you were to picture us as a tree, the Lord is speaking to us as a tree and saying, increase. He's not telling new community, you're not bearing any fruit. In fact, there's a lot of fruit in our church. A lot of people's lives are being changed and people are coming to him. But he's saying, increase. In fact, that's how I've been praying and prophesying over us as a church. is just speaking to us and saying, be fruitful, multiply, increase. But at the same time that the tree is increasing and called to, to bear fruit, each one of us is a branch. Each one of us is a part of this church and a, and a part of Jesus' church, obviously globally speaking. And, and, and we are all called to partner and reproduce ourselves. Every believer is called to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we're, I'm going to 
shift. I've been I've been really praying about this for a number of months that we're not we're not uh, we're not stopping talking about calling, but we're going to shift the focus. The Lord for the next number of weeks wants us to talk about communicating the gospel to other people. And, 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 and the Lord, and I'll share this more next week, but the word of the Lord is that you are more ready than you know. And in fact, even more than that, that the people around you, they're more ready than you know. And the Lord wants to, this is a prophetic word that the Lord wants to communicate to us in the next couple of weeks to convince our hearts that people are more ready than you know to have a spiritual conversation and to be invited to church, but also to be invited to the Lord. And you're more ready than you know. But see, in this series, I felt like the Lord's focusing me in to give you tools, strategies from the Word of God, from, from my life, from other people's lives that are effective, um, to give you these tools so that you can share this message that God loves people and He has given His only Son so that we could be made right with Himself, so you could communicate this effectively. So you need to be led by the Lord. You need to be led by the Spirit. But you also need a strategy. In fact, I think this series is more like me giving you a playbook. You know, imagine you're a, a quarterback. You know, you're on the field and the coach says, Blue 42, you know, or something. And you go, oh, I didn't read my playbook. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Oh, I'll just throw the ball again. Like, you need to know the plays and the strategies you need to know the playbook. You need to study your playbook. You need, to, you need to practice the plays so that when the coach tells you, do this or do that, you know exactly what he's calling you to. And see, a lot of believers, we, we're like, I don't know what to do. Every situation is different when you're talking about sharing your faith. Every person is different. You're different. You have a different gifting than, than I do. You know, you're not called to be Billy Graham or Dave Turner or, or anyone else. You're called to be you and reach the people that God has called you to reach. And so you've got to be able to hear the Lord, be led by the Spirit, but you need a playbook. And I believe the more that we can just have tools and resources and strategy from the Lord regarding sharing our faith with other people, the more that the Holy Spirit can breathe on that and say, Blue 42, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know, whatever call. That's the only one I know. So, <laughs> but before we dive into that, specifically, before we dive into, you know, tools and strategies, we need, I, I just really felt strongly the Lord wants to speak to us today about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, we need to start where Jesus started. Amen? Before we go on and talk about the gifts, we need to talk about the gift. Before we go on and talk about the tools, we need to talk about the tool. The person of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. See, because where Jesus started, we need to start. And we need to listen to the wisdom of our Master. Let me give you a real quick uh, the context here in Acts chapter 1. As many of you know, this is 40 days after the resurrection. Okay, so... Jesus died on the cross, you know, Friday, Passover, we call it Good Friday, on the third day, which was a Sunday, it was the day after the Jewish Sabbath, on the third day, which was a Sunday, He rose from the grave, and it was the first Easter, okay? This is 40 days later, Jesus is hanging out with His disciples, and He has been talking to them, He's been appearing to them for an, a, the course of about 40 
days. And so Jesus was not ascended into heaven. He rose from the grave on the third day, but he did not ascend into heaven. And, 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 and now he's in heaven, seated at the Father's right hand. He did not ascend into heaven until 40 days after his resurrection. Flown with me? All right. And so um, it actually says that in verse 3. But we're going to start in verse 4. So he's talking to them 40 days after his resurrection. And he says, and being assembled together with them, referring to the, the first disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is Jesus. Yeah? This is the head of the church. This is the pastor. This is the Lord. This is the CEO of his mission. And he says to his disciples, wait, don't go yet. Until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like, Jesus, make up your mind. Go, wait, go, wait. What do you want us to do? You know what I'm saying? Go, make disciples. No, wait. You know? What is, he, what is he saying? He's saying, I am commissioning you to go and make disciples of all nations. But before you go, you need something that you don't have. And you need to wait until I empower you with my spirit. So that you are able to do what I've called you to do. See, a lot of believers, they just kind of skip over that part. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, you know, maybe it's because uh, it, it doesn't make sense to us, or maybe because we don't see how it's relevant to our lives. But we kind of skip over that part. We just say, well, God told us to go, you know, make disciples. But he also told us to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not a suggestion. He wasn't like, hey, you know, if you'd like to like hang out for a little bit, a few days, take a break, a little sabbatical, a little vacation, and then get on with the job. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't say, you know, you know if, if you're Pentecostal or charismatic or somebody from another culture, you know, and not American, um, <laughs> then you can be filled with the Spirit or you should be. But, you know, if, you, if, it's not, if it's just not your denominational preference, that's okay. He didn't say that, did he? There was only one kind of church in the book of Acts. <clears throat> you can guess which one that is. <laughs> he, he commanded it. Amen? This is not like, you know, this is not like, well, if you're called to ministry, if you're called to be a pastor, you need to wait and be filled with Spirit. This is not like door number one, Door number two, door number three, you know what I'm saying? If you'd like, you know, if, you're, if, if, if you're just a believer, you don't really need this, you know, but if you're called to be a leader, you need to be filled. He didn't say that, did he, right? This is him communicating to every single disciple. This is him telling his, the first disciples, you need to wait to be empowered of the Spirit. And he commands it. He commands it. He says, wait. Wait. Why? Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. 
See, God has given you a calling. We've been talking about this these number of weeks. God has given you a calling. But in order to fulfill your calling, you need the empowerment from the Holy Spirit. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation or the message of reconciliation. You have this message that the Lord wants you to take to the world and communicate the good news to other people. But the Lord says you need more than just a message. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit Himself. He's not like an it or something like that. God Himself, the third person of the Trinity, you need Him with you in a very significant way where He will empower you. Why? Because the Lord doesn't want us just to go and to take a message to people. He wants us to be able to demonstrate that message with the power of God. You know, a lot of believers, you know, are walking around saying, you know, we're like vacuum cleaner salesmen. I got the greatest vacuum in the world for you. It's going to clean your floor. You only got to vacuum like once a year because, you know, once you vacuum with my vacuum, it's done. It's you're like, you know, you're clean for another year now. You know, we're talking up the vacuum and talking it up and everything. And and uh, and then people are like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like some of that. Can you show it to me? Oh, no, we don't. We don't do that in this denomination. No, I'm joking. <laughs> we just we just give the message. We don't demonstrate. Right. But did Jesus do that? Did Jesus minister and only give a message? No. Jesus himself ministered in the power of the Spirit. Did he not? Jesus did no miracles. He didn't do any ministry until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he returned from 40 days of fasting and being tempted. And he returned in the power of the Spirit. Everything that Jesus did, every miracle he did, was done in the power of the Spirit. And did Jesus walk around saying, you know, God really loves you. you know, sorry, you're all bound and stuff, but he loves you. I hope you feel better. God really likes you. No, what did he do? Get out, you know, demon. Get out of that person, right? Lady was crippled for 18 years, physically crippled because of a demonic spirit. You know, not to say that every physical sickness is de- demonic, but a lot seems to be. And he just said, woman, you're loosed just sets her free. And he said, this woman's been in bondage to the devil for 18 years. Did he just say, you know, God really loves you. He's got a nice plan for your life. He said, be loosed. Be free. He had a message with power, right? He was able to demonstrate that what he actually was saying is actually reality. Hey, I got a vacuum cleaner. Want me to show you? Right? Hey, repent for the kingdom of God has come. Can I show you? Let me show you that God really loves you. That God is really invading this world. Let me show you that He does heal people because He loves. That He does save and He does forgive sin. I mean, don't you love it when He's like, says to the cripple, he was paralytic, He said, uh, Son, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, Oh, can't forgive sin. He's like, Well, uh, let me just show you. It's <laughs> you know? like, I just want you to know I have authority to forgive sins, but... You know, let me just show you that I have that authority. Rise and walk. And the guy stands up. And he demonstrates that he has the authority to forgive by releasing physical healing in this man's body. Jesus, this is how Jesus ministered. And Jesus does not want us to go into the world with just a message. He wants us to go into the world with power to be able to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And he doesn't want us to be unequipped. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? Yeah. If that's how God did it, you know, what about us? And Jesus was showing us in the Gospels how we're to minister, right? He was showing us 
how he submitted to the power of the Spirit and was, let, was submitted to the Father's authority and how we need to do the same thing. And so he says to his disciples, I want you to go. I'm commissioning you. But before you go, you need to wait because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And turn with me to John chapter 20. Let me show you something. Help, help some of you with some of this distinction. See, some people, John chapter 20, some people, uh, on, on, on one extreme, they just kind of like muddy it all together. They just kind of throw all these different phrases together about the Holy Spirit, and they, they kind of throw it all together, and it's all the same thing in the Bible. And they don't really do very good exegesis, which just means Bible study, just really good observing of the Bible and what it says. So they're not able to make a distinction that some, some things are happening in the Bible that are, that are distinct in terms of the baptism of the Spirit. Other people, they get a little too crazy and they're like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And you're like, whoa, whoa there, Nelly, slow down. You know, and so you get these kind of extremes. And of course, we don't want to do that. We just want to look into the word of God and see what it says. And so in John chapter 20, you'll notice it says, verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the disciples were shut, uh, where the, I'm sorry, where the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. This is, this is the first day that he rose from the grave. This is the first Easter, Resurrection Sunday. This is the day he rose from the grave. This is not 40 days later. This is the first day that he rose from the grave. Okay? So just chronologically speaking, this is a different day than Acts chapter 1. And it says that Jesus comes to them and says, Peace be with you. And it says in verse 20, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he says in verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit receive the Holy Spirit. What did He do? He breathed on them. It was the same concept in Genesis chapter 2 when God breathed life into Adam. That act of creating and giving life to Adam, the first man, was God breathing life into Adam. Here, Jesus, who's the first born again man, He's the first one risen from the grave, comes and breathes on His disciples. The same act, but now it's not for the first creation, it's for the new creation. What's going on here in, Gen I'm sorry, in John chapter 20 is the same thing I just read about in 2 Corinthians 5. That if anyone is in, in Christ, He is a new creation. You've been reconciled to God. You're born again. Jesus breathed new life and the Spirit came up came into these believers, and this is them becoming born again because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the grave so that His Spirit could come inside of you and cause you to be alive. Every believer who has put their faith in Jesus has the Holy Spirit inside of them. In fact, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. And that's what Romans chapter 8 says. There's a clear, clear statement, and you can read it later in Romans 8, that says if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And the Spirit of life gives life to you because of Jesus' righteousness. It's referring to you being born again. See, the Holy Spirit comes into you for your sake to make you alive and to make you right with God. But there is a clear, 
theological distinction, a very clear distinction in the chronology of the story. And there's a clear distinction even in the vocabulary in the Word of God that distinguishes how the Holy Spirit comes into you for your sake to, to make you right with God and how He comes upon you to empower you for ministry. I like, I like it. One person says he comes, he, he, the Holy Spirit is in you for your sake, but He comes upon you for others' sake. In, in Acts chapter 1, Verse 8, it says, you need to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, that you would be my witnesses. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I thought they already had the Holy Spirit. On the first Easter, on the resurrection day, they received the Spirit and they were born again. Jesus breathed into them. Right? They're already saved, they're already born again. So why is it that 40 days later, Jesus says, you still need to wait for the Spirit to come upon you. Why? Because the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and, 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 and the baptism of the Spirit, what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is not for salvation. It's not so you can be born again. It's not because you don't have the Holy Spirit or because you're like a less than Christian or something like that. It's for empowerment for your ministry and your calling so that you can go forth in partnership with the Lord and not just have a message but actually demonstrate that message with power. And Jesus says, look, I was filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And so he tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, 40 days after the Easter Sunday, you need to wait for the power of the Spirit. There's a clear distinction in the Bible. And so if you're, if you're, if you're a Christian and, you, and you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're saved. Holy Spirit's inside of you. He loves you. But there is a distinction that the Lord makes in the Bible. There is a distinction that Jesus himself makes and says, you need this. And I believe that the Lord is saying prophetically, and not just to those who have not been baptized in the Spirit, but even those of us who, who have, you need the Holy Spirit. I believe that's what the Lord is saying. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what the Lord is saying in Acts chapter 1. Now jump over to Acts chapter 2. And we'll see the actual day of Pentecost. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 2, this is now uh, 10 days later. Jesus ascended into heaven. And he told them to wait, and they waited for ten days. And they prayed, and they fasted, and they sought the Lord. They had some prayer meetings. You know, they weren't just like eating Doritos and watching uh, soap operas and stuff like that. They were, they were seeking the Lord and praying and fasting, crying out to God. Because they needed to give against God to do it, but because that's what we do. God makes a promise, we respond in prayer. So they're seeking the Lord, and they're crying out to Him, prayer and fasting. And in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come... Pentecost is a festival that's 50 days after these things, right? So they waited about 10 days, as far as I understand. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, referring to, again, the prayer and unity, just crying out to the, crying out to the Lord. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then, then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is not the first time that they were born again. This is empowerment. This is the Holy Spirit coming upon them, fulfilling what Jesus said would happen in Acts chapter 1-8. 
And notice how many of them were filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 4. All of them. Right? All of them. Every single one of them. Do you realize that every writer of the New Testament, every believer in the New Testament, Mary the mother of Jesus, was filled with the Spirit and spoke in other languages called tongues. <laughs> every church that Paul writes to is a Spirit-filled church. When you read the Bible, when you read the New Testament, you read the book of Acts, every church... And every leader, every apostle was filled and spoke. They were right there. And later on, Paul, when he gets saved, he gets filled. And, and that's the way he ministered. But notice what it says in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he came, he's inside of us for our sake, but he came upon them and filled them and immersed them and, and, and overflowed them so that something came out of their mouth. A spirit-empowered language. Personally, I feel the word tongues is a little bit weird. Um, especially nowadays. The word tongue literally just means language. And it says here that they spoke in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance or as the Spirit enabled them. This is a Spirit-enabled or a Spirit-empowered language. They were speaking in a language that they didn't know what it was. They didn't have this language. They didn't go to like Spanish class or whatever. They, the Holy Spirit came upon them and he so baptized them, flooded them, overwhelmed them, that something came out. It's like if I'm going to go fill up my car with gas, and uh, the little stop valve doesn't work, because, you know, like you rent one of those U-Haul trucks, and they don't have one of those stopper valves, and you're filling it up with diesel, and it smells really disgusting, and you're filling it up. The, when you overflow, what happens? It bleh, comes right out of the mouth. When the Holy Spirit baptizes somebody, comes upon them, and fills them, guess what happens? Something overflows out of your spirit, and bleh, a spiritual language comes out. Okay, it sounds a little bit nicer than bleh, but... The Spirit enables people to speak with a language, a language that He empowers, a language that we don't know what it is, but a language that He empowers, and it's a sign. It's probably the sign. Maybe the primary evidence. I don't want to say it's the only evidence of people being baptized in the Spirit, but when you read the book of Acts, it is the initial or primary evidence that is given for people being overflowed, overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, and something comes out of their mouth called a spiritual language or a spirit-empowered language. And it happens. You can read it in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. See, these disciples, if it, you know, people will say nowadays, well, that was just like a one-time thing, and it, you know, and it was just for them, or something like that. What are you talking about? These apostles, these leaders, these disciples who got filled with the Spirit, they found this to be so important that one of the first things they did once people got saved was make sure they got filled with the Spirit. And how did they know if people got filled with the Spirit? Primarily, they were like, hey, the same thing happened to them that happened to us. They're speaking in a spiritual language. Now, like around here, for example, we don't like if somebody doesn't speak in a spiritual language, like, oh, you're less than, or you're not filled, or, you know, we don't judge. I'm not, like, I'm not into that. You know, prophecy, other gifts of the Spirit, those are good evidences. So that's fine. But I want what's in the book of Acts, right? And I'm thinking... If we want what's in the book of Acts, maybe we should do it the way they did it in the book of Acts. Maybe Jesus should be the Lord of his church, and maybe we'd see the fruit, yeah? I mean, it's like, well, I wonder why the church in America is declining. I wonder why, you know, uh, uh, we don't see people raised from the dead like they did in the book of Acts or like they do sometimes in other nations. 
Hmm. Maybe because we don't do it like they do it in the book of Acts, you know. And, and, and number one, they were born again. They were born again. They had accepted Jesus as Lord and received uh, the Holy Spirit inside of them. But they weren't just born again. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Look at Acts chapter 19. Look at Acts 19. Just jump over there and give you an example. In Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul, who's been ministering year after year after year, he's already planted churches, spirit-filled churches. But in Acts chapter 19, he arrives in in, in a city called Ephesus. And I just want to let you know, we'll talk about this later, but Ephesus is Paul's greatest, most effective ministry. There's this powerful revival that happens in Ephesus. But notice how how it begins in Acts 19, the very beginning. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper region, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Who are they? They're disciples. Are they sinners? They're not saved? No, it says he found some disciples. That would mean that they're saved. They're born again. They're followers of Jesus Christ. Hmm? Interesting. Yeah? Verse 2. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Have they believed? How do you get saved? By putting your faith in Jesus, right? These are believers and disciples. And of course, they would be one and the same thing. They have put their faith in Jesus. And don't you find it so interesting that the Apostle Paul walks up to a Christian. He just met. Oh, you're a Christian. Wonderful. Have you received the Holy Spirit? I mean, he's not judging them. He's not like, oh, you're not as cool as me. No, 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 no. I know, I know some churches are like that. And I know some Christians are like that. If you're like that, we put a little monitor in the back. You know, it's like the no perfect person monitor. And if you're perfect, it like beeps and we don't let you come in. But um, I'm just joking. Okay, so we'll let you come in too. But uh, Jesus has a different message for Pharisees. So like, um, <laughs> I'm really ornery, aren't I today? Okay, so uh, <laughs> no, 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 we're not, we're not here to judge. I mean, the apostle Paul just, he knows that this is important. You know what I'm saying? He knows. He's so excited about the Holy Spirit. He's so convinced that every believer is called to be a minister of reconciliation. And he knows every Christian needs to be empowered with the Spirit. So he says, hey, when you believe, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They're like, we don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I had a friend in Bible college. Check this out. I, uh, even in Bible college, we were trying to disciple people. This guy came to Bible college and we were telling him about the Lord's love and stuff. He was struggling with some things and we broke off the shame and discipled him and helped him walk in righteousness and get free from impurity and stuff. You know, I was doing it back then too. I just do it a little bit more, a lot more effective now, you know. We're doing a little OSL back then. That's what Jesus did for me. That's what we did for people. So we're getting this guy free and we're like, hey, do you know, you've been filled with the Spirit? And he's like... I, I don't even know what you're talking about. He grew up in a four-square church. Now, those of you who don't know four-squares, that's our denominational family who happens to believe these things. Yeah, yeah. Actually, more like two squares, you know what I'm saying? Some people, it's like, Jesus healer? What are you talking about? Yeah. No, okay, that little inside joke. The four-square gospel is just preaching Jesus. But, four, anyways. So anyways, we're like, dude, you don't even know. Okay, so we like, no, we didn't make fun of him. We were like, hey, there's a lot of people that just don't even know that this is available. It's like, it's like we're, we're farmers 
living on this huge oil reserve, trying to just make it by. Well, Betsy, what are we eating tonight? Well, more potatoes. And you're like sitting on an oil reserve, you know? Bunch of crit. Yeah, well, you know, I wish I could pray for you to be healed, but if only if it was God's will. You know what I'm saying? Did Peter say that? Peter was like, I don't have any money, but what I have, I give to you. Rise and walk. Right? He had something to give. He had the kingdom of God resident inside us. Do you know that we're called, we're, we, that Paul calls us, he says we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Ooh, that's exciting. Just the first fruits. Man, if we've got the first fruits. What's the rest of the harvest look like? And so the apostle Paul, just like Jesus, says, hey, do you, do you have the Holy Spirit? He doesn't say, oh, you're not saved. He doesn't say that at all. Oh, well, you're not ordained pastor. You don't need that. No. Hey, when you believed, did you receive the Spirit? Oh, we didn't even know, right? They say, they say oh, oh we, we didn't even know. It says in verse 2, we have not in so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit, right? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. People don't teach these things so it doesn't build up people's faith so they don't see it happen in their life. Some people, they teach it, but they don't take the risk to actually go for it, right? We need both. And he says to them, in what then were you baptized? So they said in John's baptism, verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on the Christ, Jesus. Listen, verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. See that? Over and over and over again, the baptism of the Spirit is considered when the Holy Spirit comes upon people. And it says they spoke with tongues and prophesied. He came upon them, he, overflow, he overflowed them, and whoop, spiritual language, spirit-empowered language, and prophecy starts pouring out of their mouth. How did it happen? Did, they, did, they, did, did Paul wag their tongue? Did he say, now repeat after me, Shura Barahana, Shura Barahana, Shura Barahana, Bada Bada Yamaha, you know? Did he... Now repeat after me. Did he wag their tongue? Did he yell at them? You know what I'm saying? Did he, did he, did he have tarrying meetings? That was back in the day, back in the 1900s, which, I, by the way, I'm not against, you know, tarrying meetings, wait for the Holy Spirit. No, he was like, hey, did you receive this? This is for you. This is your inheritance. He laid his hands on them. Laying on of hands in the Bible is very common to, to impart things like healing or baptism of the Spirit. It's one of the ways that we release things from us, from the Lord, through us, to other people. Uh, uh, it's not the only way, also with our words. And he lays his hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Right? They receive the Holy Spirit. Did they have to, like, be a better Christian? Were they not worthy? See, so many believers, their hindrance is, well, I don't know if I deserve it. I don't know if I'm worthy. I don't know if it's for me. Or, but I don't understand it yet. I don't really understand. What's this whole language thing? And there's so many roadblocks. But I would just say, there's no roadblock. Only, not in God, maybe in you, but there's no roadblock. You're, it has nothing to do with worthy, right? Jesus died for you. You're saved by grace. You're called by grace. You're filled with the Spirit by grace. Everything's by grace. Freely by grace. Receive freely what God has for you so you can freely give it away. See, if you had to pay, if, you, if it wasn't free to you, well, you'd have to go charge people. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus made me be perfect before I could get this, so... I can't really give it to you until you're perfect. No, Jesus says, freely you have received. Freely give. So just as the Lord has saved me and baptized me with His Holy Spirit, when I wasn't worthy, I still messed up, didn't understand things. So I could come to any single person and say, I was just talking to somebody about the gospel last week. And they said, well, I just don't feel deserving. And I said, 
Praise God, none of us are deserving. You know, I said, you don't have to be deserving. Step right in. See, I can minister the gospel freely. Oh, just receive his forgiveness. The same way I can minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you don't understand it? Oh, you don't feel worthy? That's all right. You don't have to be deserving. Just receive it by faith. Just let him come upon you. And how did it happen? Happened that, this is the primary way it happened in the book of Acts. They would lay their hands on people and they would impart baptism of the Holy Spirit on people. Just even in my class the other day, I was teaching a class and a student that I think was already baptized in the Spirit and had a spiritual language, it, it appeared that way. But as we were talking, they just, um, and I've ran into a lot of people where maybe they received a language one time, but they don't really flow in it or they don't get it. So I just built up his faith a little bit. I talked to him a little bit from the Word of God. And then I just laid my hands on him. In fact, I was in a hurry, so I was like, Holy Spirit, do this quick. No. Uh, <laughs> I did. But, <laughs> and I just, but I just ministered the baptism of the Holy Spirit on him. And literally, like right after that, he started speaking in spiritual language. I don't, again, I don't think it was like the first time, but there was a release for him. I was like, yeah, how you doing? He was like, that was good. I mean, <laughs> something broke. Maybe there was a hindrance or some area of faith that just needed to be released. I mean, I'll tell you, that's what happened to me. Like, my brain got in the way. So, like, for a while, it was just kind of like, I was filled. I got baptized in the Spirit, but I was kind of like, well, I don't really know how this thing works, you know? I didn't understand it. And then a couple months after uh, I had been baptized, I, there was just a release, you know? And, 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 and um, I began to walk in a new, in a new freedom. <clears throat> let, me, let me end with this. When I, when I was 16, I went to this Bible club. I was not a Christian, but I was seeking God. Many of you know, I mean, I asked a ton of questions and read all this stuff. I read most of the Bible before I was actually a Christian, just really looking for the truth. And so I went to this Bible club to like, kind of like find out, you know. And I think everyone thought I was all spiritual because I was the one who was like, well, wait a minute, how do you know Jesus is the only way? <laughs> you know? And I think I asked all the questions that everyone else was wondering. But uh, they were like, ooh, that guy knows stuff. And I'm like, I didn't have a clue. I was, just, I was like, whoa, 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 what, are we, what are we talking about here? Why do we believe this? And, uh, and I didn't really know. The first day I show up, this guy is standing behind me. And when we're done with singing songs, you know, I turn around, and there's this hippie-looking guy with long hair and his beard, and he... Shakes my hand. Says, hey, how you doing? And we begin, this, we begin this relationship, you know, this friendship. I would run into him. We'd talk a little bit here and there. And we'd hang out. And um, a little bit later, I started going to his house for a Bible study. On, on Friday afternoons, I went to his house for a Bible study. And, you know, he totally, like, set me up. He was like, you know, if Jesus is 100% righteous, how righteous are you? And I was like, oh, I'm like a negative, you know? And he totally set me up to begin to talk to me about, you know, some of the scriptures that I just shared with you, that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, and all your sins are forgiven, and you're right with God. And I fought him, and I argued with him, because I just had a lot of condemnation and shame on me. And he spoke the word of God, and as he's speaking the word for over a number of hours, I encountered the Lord. I mean, the Lord, it's like I just, I didn't even hear him after a while. I, I just I didn't even hear him, and all of a sudden I just had this revelation that the Lord loved me, He died for me, that He's forgiven me of my sins. I put my faith in Jesus that night. What? And He's the same friend of mine that mentored me, the same friend of me that prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I find out later, I'm talking with Him, and 
I find out later that when he first saw me in that uh, club, in that room, as he's standing behind me and we're just singing to the Lord, that he had asked the Lord for someone to disciple. He was seeking. You know, I didn't know, for example, when he, this is in high school, when he was in junior high, he led like this Christian club and like tons of people came to the Lord at like this Christian club rally that he put on. You know, I mean, this is like, he's a cool guy. I didn't know those kind of things. I'm standing in front of him and he tells me later that while we were singing, that like in the spirit, he could just see like, like light all around me. And it was like the Holy Spirit going like, ding, 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 that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. You know? I mean, it's overwhelming to think that this uh, man, my friend Ryan Galvin, that he was so in tune with the Spirit. This is a man who was born again. He knew the truth of God's Word. He was filled with the Spirit. He was seeking to be a minister of the Gospel. And he sees me and he says, yeah, 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 that's the one that the Lord wants me to... I didn't know that he was pursuing me. I mean, not like a weird way, but I didn't know he was positioning himself to get into my life. I didn't know that he invited me to his house. He was like, yeah, I'm going to start a Bible study. I was like the only one there. I invite the only other person. The only other person was somebody I invited and they had to leave early. Like he just set me up, you know. See, my secret agenda. No, I believe that my calling is to raise up an army of Ryan Galvin's. An army of born-again, spirit-filled believers who know the Word of God and who are going into this world to bring the gospel to, this, to, this, to, the, to the nations, to this community, and change people's lives. My life has been changed because that man heard God. Because that man was spirit-filled. Do you, do you understand? It's not enough for us just to have a message. It's not enough for us. I mean, Jesus did not die so you could sit in a seat and then like go home and forget what I talked about. Yeah, that was, a, you know, or like... That was a seven today, you know, that was, that was a 10, you know, like that's not why he died. He died so that I could equip you. That's my job. So you could do the ministry that Jesus called you to do in the power of the spirit. We need Ryan Galvin's out there. We need people like Ryan Galvin filled with the spirit. And that's really what I'm thinking all the time. That's really what OSL is about is to raise up people who believe the word who love God, who are looking for the lost, and who are filled with the Spirit, and can actually go, bing, that's the one. And then begin to prophesy over them. And not just when you're, you know, and notice, when Peter was preaching the gospel, it wasn't like people were like, oh, okay, that's good, that's good. No, what, what did it say? It cut them to the heart, right? There was an anointing on what he said. See, it's not just like he was, oh, he was a really eloquent speaker. No, there was an anointing. The Apostle Paul said, I do not uh, speak with eloquent of words. No, but I speak with the power of the Spirit. Because he said, I want your faith to be in the power of the Spirit, not in the wisdom of men. Amen? We, we, we do not need more and more programs, more and more eloquent speakers, although that's all good to go. And we don't just need people who can do really good music, although that's really good stuff. We'll work, you know, we can... We'll do our part. Hallelujah. Amen. No, we need people who are filled with the Spirit. When they open their mouth, people go, how can I be saved? And then we actually know what to do about it. You know what I'm saying? I have a demon. Oh, well, come here. You know what I'm saying? Let me cast that thing out of you. We can say to people, I have something. I want to give it to you. Let me end with one more verse in Acts chapter 2. I feel like the Lord wants us to just end there. And then we'll receive what the Lord has for us. 
In Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching the first message. And it says that everyone was cut to the heart, like I just said, verse 37. Chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Listen to what Peter says in verse 38. This is so important in verse 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not two separate things. He says, Receive forgiveness and receive the Holy Spirit. You've been saved, you've been called. Receive forgiveness, receive the empowerment. And listen to what he says in verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How many? All. Right? Who, 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 who's included in that all? You. Everyone. It's, Peter is preaching and saying, this is a promise from God. When Jesus said, I'm commanding you to wait for the Holy Spirit, it's called, the Holy Spirit is called the promise, the gift. He himself is the promise, the gift. That promise has been purchased with the blood of Jesus and is for every person. A promise means God made a promise. He cannot lie. It's for you. But then Peter makes it very clear. I love this. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, it's for you, the people he's preaching to, for your children. That means the next generation. And then he just says, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. That means any single person who has been called to be saved, which would be any of you who have put your faith in Jesus, and if you haven't yet, you called, you just put your faith in Jesus right now, get you filled with the Spirit too. Any, as many as been called, the promise of the Spirit is for you. It's not, oh, well, you know, some people, they, you know, they speak in tongues. or No, no every single person is being invited to be empowered for the ministry and the calling that God has given you. So you can do what God has called you to do. You do not have to do it in your own strength. You can do it in the power of the Spirit. And although, praise God, we're born again, we need more than that. We need empowerment from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it. The apostles ministered it. Peter promised it right here. The God, God promised it through Peter right here. And all you have to do, Jesus said, is ask and you shall receive. That's it. The childlike faith. Ask and you shall receive. The Lord's not going to embarrass you or wag your tongue or control you. He just wants to fill you to overflowing. And not only that is, many of you, maybe you've been filled with the Spirit before, but this was a lifestyle in the book of Acts, wasn't it? Continually being filled. Acts chapter 4. We're commanded in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit on an ongoing, continual basis. By, by allowing ourselves to be filled, receiving empowerment, really every day, continuing to just pray in the Spirit. In fact, that's one of the reasons, big reasons why God gives the spiritual language, because it's one of the primary ways you enact Him refilling you. But anyways, that's a whole other message. The Lord, you just got to trust Him. <laughs> not, not, not necessarily me, but just trust that what the Lord gave to them, He wants to give to you. And what He did here, He would do in your life. And you would trust Him that He's a safe Savior that He's a good Lord and He's wise and He knows exactly how to lead His church. Amen? And if we're going to see the church, our church, be like the church of Acts and make the same impact that they made, we need this. Amen? Let's pray. And I want to invite you, I'm going to give you an invitation to come.